Welcome to Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective podcast, where we meet experts from all walks of life to learn their intrinsic motivation so that they can share it with the world. What do we have in store today? Stay tuned to find out more. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, everybody out there in podcast land. This is Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective. This is Hamza. And I am David. And really excited to speak with our guest today. First of all, our, one of our initial podcasts when we first started way back when, we were talking about God winks and there are no accidents. And this guest, we were kind of going back and forth all summer <laughs> to have, have her on our podcast. And our schedule was actually booked until October. And we touched bases on Friday, and it didn't look like, you know, end of business Friday, it looked like we were going to actually get with her in January. And I had a cancellation last Friday, or late Friday, and our guest was able to make it. So there were audio mm-hmm. accidents. She was definitely using her capabilities. And she <laughs> often, she's talking about the often ignored trait that leads to unimaginable unimaginable success, and many people are thinking, what's the secrets to success? What's the secrets to fame? What's the secrets to money, power, physical beauty? And we don't even have to tie anyone up to get those answers because our (laughs) guest believes it is intuition. And I'm sure she has a lot more to say about the subject. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Kim Chesney to the podcast. Welcome, Kim. Oh, thank you. It's great to be here. I'm super excited to talk to you guys about this today. Yes, glad you're here. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just going over your bio and stuff, and we can get Mm -hmm. into that with with our guests so they can know more about you. But I'm Mm -hmm. excited because, you know, in many respects, people think, oh, they're going to talk about that. That means I need to go out and hug trees. Right. (laughs) While you're out in nature, there is some benefits to that, Mm -hmm. but it looks like Mm -hmm. you actually use it in all aspects of life. So you're using it in your business life and tree hugging so they don't have to be mutually exclusive (laughs) well yeah because i you know i've worked for 20 25 years in the in the tech field so for me i am i have very uh balanced sort of perspective on it's you know yeah there's a tree hugging aspect to it but there's also a really practical innovative um you know success driven aspect to intuition that i think a lot of people don't get yet now, what's interesting is, and I, I have my background's in the whole tech, marketing, advertising realm mm-hmm. as well. Great. And so those industries are, you know, probably preaching to the choir here, and it's a biased opinion, <laughs> mm-hmm. but we are actually being charged to access our creativity in many mm-hmm. respects. And, and I'm sure every industry would argue the same, but I think that with uh, ideas that have to be created, before they get implemented, they would lean on, you know, the marketing technology aspect. Yes. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And really, that's really, really half of the fuel as to why I'm doing this work. Um, you know, I, my first book came out about 10 years ago, The Psychic Workshop, which was very much um, geared towards sort of using intuition for personal development and spiritual development. But at the same time, you know, I had this career in the creative industries also. I worked with a lot of um, marketing firms, design firms, tech firms. 
And, you know, in that world, I started noticing more and more over the last 10, 15 years how people start talking about this word intuition. You know, I'm sure you know that if you're a designer or, or working in this field, the intuition is so important. Even in marketing, you know, when we're talking about big data or we're even talking about design and intuitive design, companies like Apple that really, I mean, Steve Jobs is the biggest champion for intuition around and how important that was for innovation and creating products that people can naturally use. So these two worlds were really converging in my life, um, both on like a spiritual end and on a business in a cultural sense. So it really has started to occur to me as I started really doing this work, how important it is to take a holistic view of intuition, not just as a sort of like woo thing that people associate with, but it's really just a part of our cognitive function that's underdeveloped and that we can work with. Now, and if we, um, we don't like to talk about timelines, but I think in this case, I think it would be helpful to kind of go back. Mm -hmm. So, 2009, we're right in the middle of the biggest recession since the World, World War II, and mm -hmm. a lot of people are outside their comfort zone, and, and things that they used to do, the tools they used to have, weren't working anymore. Uh, what was life like for you to make you want to first write your book, Psychic Workshop, and in that environment? Well, I mean, the book, the book was sort of a, I mean, it was really an example of kind of like what we were talking about when we started up the show today, an example of a, a God wink in itself, because um, I was actually about 15 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, I was in uh, intuitive development groups. And one of my partners, as we were working to develop our intuition out of the blue, told me that she just got this intuition that I'm going to be writing a book. And I thought she was crazy. <laughs> I thought, I'm not writing a book. Like, I had no intention at that point of writing a book. Um, but, you know, to make a long story short, circumstances came together. And within a year of her saying that, I actually had a book deal and books published all around the world. So it was pretty amazing how that was the start, the, really the catalyst um, to this whole thing. Um, and it was back in a time where, you know, mediumship was really had, like, become popular back at that time. You know, people like John Edwards was, you know, really starting all these reality shows of trying to show like everyday people on TV that like intuition was a thing that, you know, could be like real and, and actually have some evidence. Um, so that's kind of was the, the climate that I was working in. But as I moved forward from that, it really, it really became important to me to educate people to use their own intuition um, because that was really where the empowerment is because if once we start, and this gets back to the title of what we're talking about here, these unimaginable successes, when we start to live true to ourselves and follow our inner guidance as opposed to all this noise that's happening outside in the world and telling us all of our conditioning, all the things we're supposed to do, when we start listening to that inner true north, that's when we start really being able to fulfill our, our full potential in life. Now, I'm going to be tongue-in-cheek here. So <laughs> you're, you're in Pittsburgh, correct? Yeah. Okay. So here in the Bible Belt, since it's Sunday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Indeed. They, they, there's a popular saying that, uh, what is it, solitude or uh, is the, not solitude, what is it, idle time is the best yeah. playground. Correct. Right. And so yep. you, you have two opposing opinions because uh, it is in that quietness that you can actually tap into your intuition oh. versus the weapons of mass distraction 
Or, oh, oh, I just heard a beep. Oh, I just heard a a buzz. I got to check this. I got to check that. So what's your take on uh, accessing your, uh, and we'll get into the the weeds, but just uh, high level, what's your take on on just that idle time and how can people access and get time for themselves? Yeah, I mean, and that's a really interesting perspective on that question. I I appreciate that question because, uh, you know, there is so much that's been going on over the last, you know, 20 years in terms of the the mindfulness movement and the stillness and and quieting our minds and getting into that gap of stillness. And um, yeah, you know, when we get to that point and when we're able to do that, we do need to make sure that we are, you know, using that stillness to connect and and bring good into the world. And I think that's why intuition is so important. I think it really fits right into that because the first step in this whole process is creating that sort of stillness. And if we just stay there, like, that's, that's not the point. The point, and I mean, unless we're enlightened beings, unless we're great, you know, we're cool, we can just be one with the universe, and that's great. But let's, let's be honest, most of us are not at that point yet. We still have to do some work on our souls, and we still have some things that we have to create and accomplish in the world. And that's where intuition comes in. So when you get to that stillness, if we're, you know, we open ourselves to receive this intuition, intuition is all about creating and building and doing and bringing all of that potential energy out into the world. So it's going to inspire us. It's going to give us ideas. It's going to move us to do things, right? So, so we stay in that, that quiet, still place to receive our intuition, but it moves us out of it to bring this new energy and positive energy into the world if we're using it right. And, and in, in the process, we end up evolving our spirits and doing the things that, that and overcoming the challenges that our particular uh, souls have to deal with in this world to better ourselves and to achieve our highest potential. Mm. Kim, so, you know, that word, you hear that word intuition a lot. So just for ourselves, myself and our listeners, what would be, what was your, um, what would be your definition of intuition? Mm, that's great. So I would, um, I would say that, I mean, Paramahansa Yogananda says that intuition is the soul's power of, of knowing God. So if you want to look at it as, from a spiritual religious perspective, and in and, and that angle, the words we would use would be, it is, our, it is our direct connection to truth, to the higher source, to the universe. So through our intuition, we have a direct connection to the omniscient information that is out there. Right. So so our ego creates this sort of uh, subjective place where we live our lives from, from our own unique perspective. So then our higher self is kind of like this part of us that's still connected to our individual consciousness, but also has access to the universal wisdom that's out there that knows things beyond time and space and can 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 connect you to all these things that our little tiny ego consciousness can't connect with. So in terms of a spiritual aspect, that's really how the whole system functions together. It really just plugs us into universal knowledge. So you can also take that and flip it into a conversation that's more practical and say, like what Einstein would say, that there's, Einstein said there's, there's no thing more important than intuition because intuition connects us with our inner genius. It may, you don't even have to be a spiritual or religious person to believe in intuition because it's that moment, that information that comes in that flash or that epiphany. So whether you consider it like connecting to a higher matrix of information that's out there that just comes in in these moments, uh, whatever language we decide to use, it is a way of connecting us to knowledge and information that is beyond our individual limited consciousness. Mm. 
So, Ken, did you, being Hamza, like to ask, uh, you know, the people that we interview, our guests, about having a, um, you know, a, a, how, how do you phrase it, uh, Hamza, the, the aha moment? Mm. Uh, like a, you know, like you're going along in life, and then all of a sudden something happens, and that takes you totally into like a maybe like a spiritual direction. Mm-hmm. Is kind of a particular experience, or have you kind of always found that you've been a spiritual person your whole life? No, oh, absolutely. I absolutely have had those moments. Um, you know, I, I mean, I've gravitated towards it naturally from a young age, just because I, I feel like this was this is my dharma in life to uh, do this work, but. Uh, yes, those, those, there were definite moments in my life where I had um, spiritual awakening or, um, or epiphanies, right? So it, it is tied to this intuitive aha moment when suddenly, I think of it as you're suddenly getting into alignment. Like we live our lives and sometimes we're like in alignment with what we're supposed to be doing and other things we're not making the right choices and we're like having static or we're out here. We know we should be doing something else. Because intuition is all about like aligning us with our purpose in life. And when we have those moments, it's like we click into that alignment and we have that aha moment like, yes, this is what we're supposed to be doing. Yes, suddenly everything makes sense right now because I did this one thing or made this one choice that clipped me back on my path. So that sort of epiphany is really a part of your spiritual growth. And that's why intuition, it's not just, it's not actually a parlor trick. It's not like, oh, like I just psychically know this and that like you know our psychic development our psychic awareness comes from being in alignment with our purpose and our path and our life it's a natural byproduct it's part of our spiritual development we just become aligned with the flow and 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 it and it resonates so you know intuition is real because you have this resonance and and when you click back into your path you have sudden moments of resonance that i've done the right thing i've made the right choice this is what i should have been doing all along and those can be big epiphanies or they can even be little moments when like, oh, like I can't decide, you know, what I need to do next in my career. Oh, I just had this idea, right? So it's that alignment and it's that movement in the right direction that gives us the, these epiphanies so much power. Yeah. Is that why it's so hard for people, you know, to go to go within because we get, mm-hmm. you know, conditioned to go outside for answers. So that's yes. why we're always kind of skipping, you, you know, the yes. – uh, the intuition that's coming to us right away because we're just second guessing and like I said, going outside for all the answers. Yes. So much. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, that this is just the biggest thing that like I say over and over again is we are trained from a very young age to make our decisions and to look for our information sources from outside of us, from the people in our lives, from our conditionings, from our society, and to do the things that we've been trained to do. We're not, we think intuitively as children. But by the time we're even in elementary school, it's, it, it's, it's taught out of us, right? We're just, everything has to be linear thinking. This is the smart thing to do. Let's make your pros and cons list. And as we, we are conditioned then to think that way, we just let this intuition atrophy, right? So every once in a while, we all know it's there. It never goes away. There's those little moments that comes back, and, it, and it's trying to talk to us, but we push it down. And the more we push it down, the more we realize, we, we feel it. We feel that dissonance, right? So, I mean, we all know there's things out there that we need to be doing in our life. And when we don't do it, I mean, that creates blockages, that creates health issues, that creates all kinds of problems for us. So if we do turn within, right, turn within and honor, your, you know, to your own higher self be true, honor that, that 
self, the higher self, not your ego self. We're not talking about like greed and ego and power and all that stuff. The higher self that knows what's best for everything and working from there out. That's the right alignment, right? So Einstein always said that intuition should be our sacred gift and the mind is its faithful servant. So we are supposed to use our intuition first. That's why it's our first impression. It's the natural order. We listen to our intuition and then we use our mind to process the intuition and to execute the intuition, not vice versa, or not just skipping intuition at all. Mm. Yeah, those first impressions. Oh, absolutely. And actually, that's where I was going to go with it, Kim. So uh, one thing that's beautiful about life is grace. And so Mm -hmm. you mentioned that we're always getting these little inklings. Uh, but there are spiritual four by fours out there. If you continue to ignore those mm-hmm. <laughs> those little taps, have you had any instances where, uh, looking back, oh man, yeah, I was getting little taps, and I kept ignoring it, and then it just mushroomed where I really had to pay attention to what was going on. Oh my gosh, yeah, and it's so funny that you brought up grace too, because I literally woke up this morning with the thought that. that the fall from intuition was a fall from grace because grace and intuition are very much connected because when you're in that state of grace and you have that, that's when you you're in that alignment with your intuition, you're understanding what the universe and what God is telling you and wanting you to do and you're doing it. So it's very similar. And, and that, that whole concept of first it's a whisper, then it's a shout, then it's a roar, like that, that part of us is telling you whispering in the beginning, yes, you should be doing this, but you know, you put it aside, you don't do it. Then as they get a little louder, and then it's like something happens. Like, you know, like, yeah, this has happened to me hundreds of times, right? Like most recently I had an issue where like my dog knocked me down my, my steps. Like I knew there was something I needed to be doing and I was like just, I was just putting it off. I knew like, oh, I can do it later. I can get around to this later. And it was a really important thing for, for um, this work I'm doing. But then the universe finally said, you know what? You're not going to do it later. Your dog's going to knock you down your steps, and then you're not going anywhere, so you don't have any choice, and you have to do it right now. So if you don't make the choice, eventually the universe is going to make the choice for you, and it might hurt. (laughs) (laughs) So, Kim, here in Atlanta we have a pocket, and many people that we've interviewed uh, around the world, we've established these little pockets, and specifically in the United States, we found like Atlanta, Colorado, California, New York, some others. Um, but one place that doesn't really come up is Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And so mm. you were talking about being in an in- intuitive development group way back mm-hmm. when. If you could talk mm-hmm. a little bit about your, your introduction into that and what is the current climate like for those that are seeking spiritual enlightenment? Well, Pittsburgh is really, um, I mean, we have really had a renaissance here in Pittsburgh. And, uh, you know, it was rough for us you know, about 20 years ago, but, uh, you know, I've worked in the, te- having like all the technology and the arts and all of this cultural stuff has just been booming like crazy. You know, we've got Facebook, we've got like Uber, we got all kind of stuff happening here in Pittsburgh. That's really made it a, a really, um, interesting city to be living in right now. It's, um, we're growing, you know, we haven't, we haven't reached our full potential yet, but we're growing. And in terms of the, you know, the spiritual climate, that seems to be growing too, right? So we're really an emerging city, um, but there's a, real, there's a real sense of growth and expansion happening in this region right now. And I think, you know, that's why I'm really aligned with being here is helping to raise that vibration and bring that light around all of the stuff that's also happening here on a more like a, 
economic level and uh, cultural level. I think that's huge uh, because, you know, with, I mean, there's strength in numbers, right? And so mm-hmm. you're actually fighting the fight of, like you said, at the beginning, emerging level where, what? Mm-hmm. what <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's thought leadership for sure. I mean, a lot of the stuff, like even the work that I did, you know, when I was working at Technology Council here, I was uh, supporting a creative industries network, which, again, was very tied into intuition and using intuition in technology and culture and the arts. And people thought I was crazy. And, you know, when I first started it out, like, people were just like, this is nuts. And then, like, 10 years later, they were like, this is awesome. So it's, it's very similar, right? In the beginning, people are like, intuition, technology, this is nuts. But I fully anticipate in 10 years, everyone's going to be like, this is awesome. <laughs> it, it, what's interesting from a technology standpoint, and David had mentioned it earlier, where uh, in, 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 the, in the grand scheme, it is all great, but... In the technology mm-hmm. space, you have a lot of uh, "quote unquote" hacking, where mm-hmm. people are looking. You know, you mentioned Steve Jobs, and Steve Jobs, mm-hmm. it's, you know, lore of him uh, looking at a chemical <laughs> introduction to his life is a nice PC way to say it. And so you have mm-hmm. a lot of people, at least in Silicon Valley, doing um, microdosing and looking at LSD and some of these other mm-hmm. enhancements to access intuition. Mm-hmm. And are are you seeing that in the tech space there? And what are your what are, what is your opinion on that? Yeah, I think we're still a little bit behind um, Silicon Valley on a lot. Like I, you know, I think we're really um, we're really in that mindset of of innovation here in Pittsburgh. But in terms, there's still a lot that that hasn't reached us. And I think that kind of um, you know we're talking about that kind of you know the the drug scene for lack of a better word or and, and enhancements. Um, you know, we have, we're getting the process of legalizing marijuana. We have all that kind of stuff happening. But I haven't, there, there is a, a really strong kind of marijuana movement right now. Um, but in terms of drugs and intuition, I mean, that's a tricky subject because I think that, you know, some people have found that they've had these really, you know, transcendental experiences while they're, you know, using um, drugs of different hallucinogenics and different types of things. But we have to be really careful with that because cause intuition is, you don't want to get into a trap of having to use a chemical to access your intuition. It should be something that, we, that flows freely in your everyday life, right? So, it, so the really, the, you know, and what I teach is really teaching people techniques to just create a culture of intuition in their mind, in their life, so that they learn to make decisions naturally by using their intuition. So it just becomes a secondhand part of life. You don't have to go and create a ritual and do something to access it. It's something that is just emanates from your being and all of your decision making. And in 10, 15 years ago, like you said, that you had the uh, uh, John Edwards and some of the, uh, the secret mm-hmm. that had come out and all. And mm-hmm. I know I had gone through an intuitive development course here in Atlanta and <laughs> One of the first, I mean, coming from corporate was really interesting mm-hmm. because one of the first classes uh, we had to color. And so I'm sitting here like, uh, do you know who I am? Like, what? <laughs> I had to really <laughs> make a lowercase E-G-O. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. What was your early experience of, and what was the intuitive development group that you aligned with way back when? Oh, that's, I mean, that's such an interesting story because I, you know, I had, I was really drawn to this. Like I knew, you know, I had, as from a young person and had a lot of experiences with my intuition that, you know, when you're young and, and you're, 
you are a naturally intuitive person, which I think a lot of people are, like things will happen that you can't explain, uh, you know, and, and, and you just need to understand them. And I was, I was really on a crusade to understand what was happening with me because um, I knew I wasn't crazy. I knew that these things were, you know, th- that these things weren't happening to like, you know, my parents and the, the people I knew directly around me. I really needed to find a community to um, help me to understand, you know, wh- who I was and that this was normal and to, to help me make sense and control it. So in those days, you know, there wasn't internet. So, you know, you, we, I, you had to like, like look for like, I don't know, magazines. And, you know, so I found a local, um, it was actually a, a church called the New Age Institute for Metaphysics here in Pittsburgh that it's no longer in existence, but it was a church. It was, um, um, a church that focused on, you know, spirituality of a non-denominational Christian church. And they um, were really into interesting Reiki and, uh, you know, all of this stuff that, you know, back then was really new to me. And so then I I got into their intuitive development class there, which was essentially focused on mediumship. So I didn't even know the difference or what mediumship was at the time. I just needed to understand the, you know, the landscape of the spiritual world and, and how to navigate it. And I did get a really good foundational education of all of that through my intuitive development classes. But, um, you know, this gateway was through spiritualism, which is not something that I really gravitate towards anymore. Um, But I'm glad that I learned it. And I'm glad that I understand it. um, Because I think, you know, there's definitely a very strong foundational educational component to being uh, taught in, in that way. But in the end, for me, um, I learned that intuition is much more um, higher vibration, practical part of life than, you know, just simply trying to, to connect with consciousness and things like that. Uh, it's, it, there's always, I mean, there's infinite phases of where you reach where you are today. So yeah, right. it totally makes sense. Uh, I think the other part of that question is, you know, when I think of myself, I think of, you know, just listening to you. And then, you know, the the climate, like you said, maybe 10, 15 years ago, the first two people that come to mind are uh, Dr. Brian Weiss and Greg Braden, where, you know, they were traditionally in the left brain world. I mean, doctor mm-hmm. and I think uh, engineer type of deal versus 2018, where they're fully immersed in their life is totally different than how they set it out to be and you had your first book in 2009 you have this workshop you have this uh, upcoming classes Mm -hmm. so you know where do you see I mean if you were to look at a timeline what would you surmise where you are today and maybe the next 10 years or where you can laugh yeah. Say, oh yeah, ten years ago I thought I was going yeah. to be like here. <laughs> yeah, but I'm totally no, not. That, no, I mean, and that's the thing. It's, it, people forget that, like, even as authors and writers and teachers, we continue to grow, right? So, so I'm sitting here with you know the book that, that my my first book, and I'm like, this is all great, but like I have just learned so. The book that I'm I'm finishing, hopefully it'll be done by Christmas, is really this this culmination of this holistic intuition that that takes you know, the psychic workshop is a foundation, but really, uh, really empowers people to take this into their whole life as a pathway for spiritual enlightenment and for like business enlightenment and for just really intuition is this pathway to enlightenment of all kinds because it is that truth and because it is that part that, that gives us that light in our life, uh, the light of truth, right? So 
I'm definitely moving in a, in a completely different direction than I was 10 years ago. So 10 years from now, um, my vision, my dream is really to, to raise awareness of intuition, to bring it out of the fridges so that people, you know, all kinds of people can say, yeah, like it's really important that I need to use my intuition and think intuitively. And it's not some strange concept or something that people think is weird or crazy. You know, I've had like, People just say, oh, there's no such thing as intuition. Like, this is just crazy. But it's not. And we're just at a place right now where intuition is really emerging. Like, it, you know, it had, it had its heyday many, many, you know, centuries ago. And, and, you know, we really had the age of information and intellect is taking over for, for in recent centuries. So we've witnessed over the last 20 years, you know, with a lot of the rise and the rise of, like, the receptive energy that's coming more into our culture now that – the intuition is part of that, but right? people are coming back to that receptive nature where we don't always have to control our thoughts and that we are giving, giving our consciousness over to higher information. And that is apparent in, in technology and innovation as well as in the cultural things and the social justice movements that are happening around there. And we really see and respect each people for who they are individually instead of fitting into these norms and these systems, which we've been dealing with for like recent you know, decades and centuries. Now this is a little tongue in cheek, but uh, we were, David was talking about looking outside yourself and, and we're talking about more of an internal uh, process or growth pattern that you develop a relationship with your inner self. But Mm -hmm. from a technology standpoint, I could say Google or the search engines Mm -hmm. are so intuitive because once Mm. I first start typing something, they already know what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. now we have a, a, there may be a chasm. It seems like there's, you know, if I were to use like a a superhero analogy, like Mm -hmm. there's representatives of good and evil where, you have your side where, no, you look within, but you have a, a strong, compelling argument on the other side of, no, look, we have the technology where you don't even have to worry about it. We got we got you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what, what do you see from that aspect? So we had a really cool conversation on that. I, I hosted an event um, in, the, in June at the International Creativity Summit called The Coming Imagination Age. And I had some tech people from all around the country uh, who, you know, dealt with vir- virtual reality and all kind of uh, really new uh, concepts in technology. And, you know, this question was around, you know, artificial intelligence and artificial intuition. And you get into, you know, concepts like big data and how that, you know, computers have algorithms to extract um, our, our behaviors. And, you know, and, and one of the big questions that came up with was, you know, can a machine really be intuitive or creative, right? At what point can a, can a mach- will a machine become their own creator and their own intuitive um, sort of driver as opposed to being programmed by us? So, so you know, whether we're looking at this as, as a good thing or a bad thing or whether we're looking at it as sort of a, um, a different hierarchical model in, in beings, uh, it, it's a it's a it's a compelling question, and you know so there were some very interesting answers around it. Um, you know, I spoke with Jesse Shell from and one of the things that he talked about was how you know he does programming for Disney and all different kinds of uh, video games and virtual realities. He was on the History Channel for his concept that the the world is just a is a 
a virtual reality game that we're all in, right? So, so talking about that, you know, he found that, he, that once you get to a certain point, the machines do start to, t- to make some creative decisions um, with, with the programming. And so it's really interesting to, to think about how that's going to change over the next 10 years because we do have to deal with that. You know, we're getting t- closer to the singularity. We're getting to a point where machines are going to be smarter than us. You know, I always say, you know, intuition is what makes us different from the machines because, because we have an internal connection that the machines don't have. Whether or not they're going to be able to evolve into that, I don't know. It'll be interesting to find out. But um, it's definitely something, something interesting and compelling to consider and think about. Let's, uh, let's stay there a second. So I, I like having on my propeller hat. So since you're a fellow, mm-hmm. <laughs> fellow <laughs> person that loves wearing the, that <laughs> accoutrement <laughs> as well. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you have, uh, especially, especially publicly traded companies, you have a public line and then you have uh, what's happening before you share the news with the public. And so I think mm-hmm. it was earlier this year, uh, Facebook had mentioned that they were using machine intelligence and they actually had to turn it off because they felt that the two different machines were starting to speak to each other in a language <gasps> that we couldn't understand. Right. And so you said right. So you're familiar with that story, but what, what do you what, do, what is your take on on that? And what do you think? I mean, obviously, unless you work with Facebook, I mean, they have a Facebook mm-hmm. presence there in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. But what, mm-hmm. what's the hubbub about that in particular? I mean, I honestly, I honestly don't know. I mean, that's that's getting to the point where, um, I mean, it's beyond it's it's beyond what any of us can really know for sure at this point because it's such a, it's such a new frontier. It's really something that we don't know what's going to happen. We just kind of are going to have to take it day by day and see how these things evolve. I mean, there's been so many cases of artificial intelligence having to get shut down because it just goes horribly wrong, you know? Um, so, so I really think in terms of that, we just ultimately have to focus on what we know works for us, which is, is knowing that our interconnection, that's our way. There might be a different way for a machine. A machine might just need to plug into like the World Wide Web. That might that might be their version of intuition because that's where all their information is. You know, all of our information is stored energetically in the universe, right? It's not like it's there's a server somewhere. You know, like they call it the Akashic records, but it's really just energetically stored in existence and that are that we can tap into. But for a machine, I don't know. Maybe it's a different path pathway, right? Maybe it is a real pathway. I mean, I don't know. This is all, it's all really exciting stuff. You know, Kim, that's good. Go ahead, David. I, was gonna say, I know a couple of things that, that you talk about that are always important, that you say are important, are awareness and actualization. Mm. As well. Talk a little more about that. Yeah, because I, there's two parts to intuition. People forget that. You know, it's, it's not just about like, oh, I, you know, I just had this idea or I just knew my friend was going to call, right? So, so that's great. These are those good gone winks, things come together. Like those things are great. But the real nuts and the bolts, the heart of intuition is learning to recognize your intuition when you have them because that's the number one question I get in all my life. Like, how do I know it's really my intuition? Like how do I know it's not my imagination or my fears or my mind, right? So in my classes, I work a lot with helping people to differentiate between their intuition and those other things that we mistake for intuition. So that's the first step is, is recognizing and then trusting that intuition is the second step, right? So you know you have it right. You developed a relationship with your intuition so you can tell the difference between your intuition. But the most important part is learning to follow it and committing to follow it. 
Because how many times have we got an intuition and we had a feeling about things and then we don't act on it? So that's really like, that's cutting off the process of manifestation. And that's why intuition, when you talked about the secret earlier, intuition is really crucial in manifestation. If you want to be a manifester, if you want to manifest this life that you want with happiness and all of this stuff, you have got to like move, connect with your intuition and move by it because it is the manifestation process comes straight through your intuition. And when you don't follow that intuition, you're cutting off your manifestation because you're, you're not allowing that energy to come into the world and to utilize that law of attraction to start bringing these things together for you on an energetic level. So it's a two-part process. There's the awareness and then there's the actualization. So, so really, you know, and I always say this is another like, thing I always say is that your authenticity is a measure of your spiritual awakening, your spiritual development. If you're an authentic person, intuition will be natural for you because if you're inauthentic, that means that you're different people to different people in your whole life, right? Like you might be like mom to one person, friend to another person, but you put on these different faces because you can't be fully self-actualized. The universe wants us to be real and authentic and be our true selves all the time. So the more that we align and own our truth and live our truth and follow those intuitions through, the more we become spiritually evolved and happier and healthier and all that stuff in the process. So it's really just this process of positive growth and change that intuition aligns us with. But it's two parts. You've got to know it, what it is, and then we've got to do it. Oh. So would you say from a, a layman's term, these messages have always been around. I'm mean, telling on my age now, but mm-hmm. I can remember the the Bugs Bunny cartoons where you had mm-hmm. uh, uh, awareness, right, where mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. angel on the right would say something, which is your awareness, but then your ego, would, which would be on your yep. left, would argue that point down. Absolutely. I think that's a, that's a great metaphor um, for the ego and the higher self. And, you know, in terms of always being around, like, I really strongly feel like there were, you know, times, you know, maybe 5,000 years ago when, you know, we lived more intuitively. You know, we had cultures that were more intuitive. You saw some of the, you know, the, the early art was so beautiful and advanced and intuitive. There had to have been a high level of sophistication in those people. You know, they weren't, our ancestors weren't just, you know, running around dragging their wives around by their hair with clubs, you know. They were creating beautiful, sensitive artwork, which is very highly intuitive. So I feel like a shift happened when we started to civilize, when, you know, when we started to, you know, create communities and start creating these systems of the mind, which ended up being educational systems, which started to train us to just start using our minds and forget about that other stuff. So I really feel like intuition is making its comeback. It, it has always been there, but it's just gotten shadowed by this information age, by this kind of conditioned society that we've all been trained to live in. And now, you know, every, people all around the world, like in all different walks of life, really, really smart people, really, really successful people are saying, yeah, I figured it out. The intuition is the secret. Like, that's the secret. If I followed my intuition, look how awesome I am. Like, look at what Steve Jobs did, changed the world. He gave every single person who, who was employed at Apple a copy of Paramahansa Yogananda's Autobiography of a Yogi. He, and Yogananda was one of the hugest proponents of intuition. He was a wonderful, had a wonderful perspective of it as really this foundation and really the highest level of evolution as human beings. So when we reach our potential as human beings, we naturally become intuitive. Yeah, we get psychic powers. People think that's crazy. 
but it's not. It's actually the evolution, the final evolution, where we use our complete consciousness when we're able to connect to these things. So you're saying that we all have access to it, and when, to ask a topical question, I don't know if you've seen mm-hmm. this or not, so yesterday uh, there was coverage on the baby that had undergone a brain tumor and had mm-hmm. a macro- miraculous recovery after getting kissed on the forehead by Pope Francis. No, no, I didn't right. hear about that. Yeah, so that, you know, that was, for people listening, you could do your Googles and so this, mm. you know, this, you have these instances that are brought up in the news from time to time where people would, on one level, go, oh my goodness, I'm going to go to Pope Francis. Pope Francis is the healer. And mm-hmm. so, again, we're, we're looking outside ourselves, but these are great examples where, I mean, it, would they even pass the story if they said, you know, Kim Chesney kissed the baby at create <laughs> yeah, <right>. a workshop <laughs> and her brain went away. That, right? Yeah, no, or or they want to hear you after they wrap you up and put you behind. Exactly. <laughs> a walled garden. So it's like... yes. Yeah. Well, see, you know, you have these holy people, right? That that have that have um, credibility. They have, um, you know, they have uh, an energy around them, and it does get back to towards this alignment, and you know, whether it's a healing, and you know, I do believe healings happen. Um, and, and, and part of that is whether it's the Pope or whether it's Kim Chesney or whether it's Joe Schmo, if you get yourself in alignment with that belief of healing, and particularly if you come into contact with someone with a healing energy, it can help you snap onto that path of alignment, right? Like we talked about earlier and have that epiphany and have that healing. It, it happens. Um, and it really is just about you have to believe it. You have to believe it can happen because it doesn't matter who you come in contact with. If you don't believe it can happen, it's not going to happen. But if you if you are aligned with it and and the energy is there, yeah, it, it's a thing that, that can happen because you know we live in a magical world. Our, our, everything that's happening is magical, and, and we overlook it a lot. You know, we just we just look at all this cause and effect stuff, and the power of the mind is immense. I think when you figure out that you can use the law of attraction, I mean, the people that who who have read The Secret and or read the the you know Esther Hicks and all of the different books that are out there on that topic, when you realize that it's a real thing and you can actually do that and it clicks, you're like, yeah, the world is magical. I have power over this stuff. I'm not just living in a universe where things happen to me and I have to deal with it. I I'm participating and I'm co-creating in it. And the same thing goes with healing. I mean, a lot of times illness and injury, they're part of our blockages. You know, I've had a long-term problems with my neck. I've had like spinal surgery and, and I had some blockages that I had to work through in my own life. And when I worked through those blockages, my health improved. And I, I know that it's, you know, it's difficult to, for some people to make that connection with a, with a spiritual connection to our physical challenges but there's lessons to be learned there for all of us when we have, you know, physical issues. And if we can get to the root of it and understand the root of it, it's amazing how, how much more strongly and easily we heal. I think yeah. a good story is the, the whole Steve Jobs. And one, one, one phrase that I, I love hearing is things are, everything is as it appears to be and everything is not as it appears mm-hmm. to be. And when we talk about Steve Jobs, we look at it linearly like, oh, my goodness, he followed his intuition and such. But 
there were a lot mm-hmm. of times where, I mean, he was kicked out of his own company, and mm-hmm. you know, the first iterations didn't go the way they wanted, and mm-hmm. he, you know, he went through these, and it's great to kind of do that hindsight 2020, mm-hmm. and so we can, you know, look at, oh, well, that's a great example, or the Pope Francis as an example, or when you're giving a workshop, Kim's example, how do mm-hmm. you get people, because there's a natural inclination to uh, have a guru-ship, if you will, where people start mm-hmm. following you or following mm-hmm. Steve Jobs, you know, right. having these little cult-like personalities. So how, how are you keeping right. people to stop putting all their energy in your space and kind of going back and saying, I can actually do this on my own? Yes, yes, because it's, we're all human. You know, like I said, if, we were, if we're here, we're all human and we're all still learning. Um, so it is really important, you know, at least I, you know, I make it a priority to, to make my focus on, on empowering people, right. And to, uh, teaching and sharing ideas to give everyone this, this sense within them of their, their connection to their own inner divine, because, because it really is, I mean, you know, there's gurus out there, they're amazing. And there are, there are really holy people, um, but it's also can be tricky, especially if you're dealing with people who are like, quote unquote, like, you know, people who like Steve Jobs, who are, you know, who are, he's just like a rock star, right? Like he's someone who, yeah, I mean, he makes mistakes. We fail forward. You know, all of us fail forward. Like there's going to be times when, you know, we misread our intuition or where we don't listen to our intuition. Just as human beings, it's, it's natural to make mistakes but we learn from them and we grow from them. And sometimes, you know, intuition will let us make these mistakes because there's lessons that we have to learn. So no matter how we go, the, the, the point is that whatever we're doing, as long as we're learning and we're getting back up at the end of it, we're still moving forward. Right? The, the, the trick with intuition is if we were all good enough at our intuition to follow it 100% of the time, which, I mean, to do that, I mean, you, I mean that's, we're talking about like Christ consciousness level here, right? So it's, it's, it's not going to be living the, the everyday lives that, that we're used to. But to 100% every day follow that, that would be our direct, our direct path to our soul's highest evolution. But most of us, like if we're lucky, we'll like listen to our intuition half the time or maybe 75% of the time. But there's always going to be those margins of error and there's always going to be those things that hold us back, our feelings or our fears that, you know, it's just part of being human. And, and we just gradually start to, to conquer them. And the more that we start to conquer them, the more we start to build that trust to intuition and start living more intuitive lives. Now, it, in elementary school, I remember, you know, besides pulling growth hair, <laughs> that <laughs> there were some instances where they, they well, girls just mature faster. I mean, there's a scientific uh-huh. thing, right? And so yeah. uh, fast forward later in life, you, know, you get married, you have a spouse, you have children, what have you, and, and we all grow on different levels. Uh, what are some methods that you've been able to use where uh, you're, maybe your spouse is like, I liked you better before mm-hmm. you got into all this, and, you know, mm-hmm. what are you doing? And, you know, mm-hmm. how do you... How do you navigate through those waters? Well, first of all, you, know, you hear a lot about women's intuition, and that's like a, it's a big buzzword. You know, but the reality is men and women both have intuition. You know, to say that a woman only has intuition and men don't would be like saying that men have intellect and women don't because they're really two sides of our cognitive functions. You know, we have our intellectual side and our rational, reasonable side, and then we have our intuitive side, which is receptive. Whereas the, you know, the intellect is more active and um, 
you know, yin and yang sort of balance. So when we're talking about this whole balance of yin and yang and masculine and feminine and intuition and intellect, it's really a play where, you know, these two sides of the same coin need to learn to work together. Um, you know, in terms of someone saying, I liked you better before you did all this, I would never have had anybody ever say that to me because intuition just makes you a better person. And it doesn't mean you have to be a tree hugger. It doesn't mean that you have to, like, become a vegetarian. Like, you know, if you want to, that's great. But intuition is really just about, um, at the end of the day, you know, when I say it's about enlightenment, well, what is enlightenment, enlightenment about? The very last stop on the end of this whole train is love, right? And that's what we can't forget. Because enlightenment, when you reach that state, when you are in those moments, those enlightened moments, all you feel is love. So, so letting that love live within you and having that love for your brothers and your sisters and putting that self-love aside for love of, you know, humankind, like that's the kind of stuff we're talking about as our souls evolve. So if someone doesn't like you better when you become intuitive, then that person might want to look <laughs> at their perspective on life and what their goals are. Because, I mean, if you're interested in being, you know, like living the American dream and having, like, the cars and the picket fence and the vacations and, and the money and all of that stuff, like, if that's your idea of happiness, then that's not going to be the same as someone whose idea of happiness is really living as a spiritually self-actualized person who brings good into the world. Mm. Absolutely. Here, 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 here. Here, here. I want to I want to go back for a second and talk about a little bit more on the artificial intelligence and popular media. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. in the the Matrix, when that had to come out, it, it seems like Hollywood as a whole, you know, they they introduced these concepts before it gets natural uh, a national or global acceptance. Mm-hmm. So, just the the concept of of oh we're all connected and uh, I could reach you I could reach people that I hadn't spoken to in second grade that was a concept in '99 when Matrix came out right mm-hmm. and so on some level they had to know you know Facebook was going to come down the pike where that can actually happen mm-hmm. and then in uh, Minority Report which was 2006 you know Tom there's an episode uh, part where Tom Cruise walks in the store and it says hey Tom good to see you again. We got your, your favorite Argyle sweaters are on sale. So it was like a personalized shopper, which totally mm-hmm. exists today in 2018. Mm-hmm. And uh, one movie that was overshadowed because the Matrix was so phenomenal was The 13th Floor had come out the same year. And that has just been reintroduced to the, uh, our consciousness as a TV show, Revelry, uh, where there's mm-hmm. the, you're accessing artificial intelligence. And I like for David to talk a little bit about it, because I haven't seen it yet, uh, about mm-hmm. the movie Upgrade, which is an Australian movie, but I think it's apropos to what we're talking about and from a technological standpoint, how they're addressing it. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to hear about this too. <laughs> well, it was what, you put me on the spot there. Well, you know, it's one of those things. You just kind of have to watch that movie. Um, it kind of has a lot of twists and turns that you just, uh, you know, uh, really wouldn't expect. And like Hans has said, yeah, it is an Australian movie. And so a lot of times foreign movies have little, you know, things in them that we just here in America just don't, you know, it's just a different angle right. from our, our little bubble that we're in. 
but um, basically a, a couple and they get assaulted and um, the, the, the um, husband gets an opportunity to um, a, a friend of his has this technology where he, he in, in the assault he becomes a, a quadriplegic and so he's, he's got a friend that has this technology where he can uh, insert his chip and basically he's going to get all his you know, be able to use all his limbs again, and at the same time, there's like a, um, a artificial intelligence that he's able to communicate, talk to, like a Siri type thing, Alexa, that only he can hear, no one else can hear. While and so, anyway, I can tell the whole story. Interesting. Yeah. Well, there's this one point in the trailer, so that's not giving it away because I haven't seen it. So he's he, in his mind, he wants to do something, and so. He's gonna go after the bad guys, and so his intuition is like, I don't know if you should do that, but his ego's like, No, I'm gonna go in there and yes. in this building, right? right? And so he's in right. there, and and his intuition is like, I don't think this is a good idea. And then he's looking in the mirror, and he sees this bad guy like right behind him, and he's like, Holy crap, I can't, you know, I can't fight. What am I gonna do? And then the intuition goes, or the the machine goes, All I need you to do is ask. Right, and then hmm. when he asks, he's like, "Okay, in, in, uh, machine chip, whatever, you can do it." And then it becomes like, you know, what thing? All the smash grab, uh, bad uh-huh. Batman, Robin type stuff, right? But it was just the relationship with man and machine. In every movie, you have man versus man, ver- man versus nature, man versus machine. I mean, that's just mm-hmm. beginning, uh, I guess, literature. But it's just interesting mm-hmm. from a technological standpoint where you're you're showing how you can have this relationship with a machine to become your high or your better self. And so right. it totally negates how, like we're talking about, where you're not looking outside for a chip, per se, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, this machine can actually do everything for you while you just sit back and smoke cigarettes. <laughs> well, I, like I said, like I, I think that ideas like this, I think you're really right about, um, you know, Hollywood really, you know, priming us for what's coming because, I mean, all of these writers and the people that put together these, you know, these scripts and these, these amazing, um, you know, culturally changing uh, films, you know, all of that stuff channeled. So think about that. I mean, all, all of these scripts were written. All of these were creatively made, which is part of the process of intuition. And I mean, how many scientific discoveries have we heard about happening on like two sides of the same world at the same time by scientists? like just coming up with them momentarily, right? So it's very similar, I think, with the creative processes and innovation and new ideas. And they're tapping into this collective superconscious. Like I don't say it's the unconscious, because the unconscious is a totally different thing, but it's like a superconscious. And that a lot of people get the same ideas and start to want to share these ideas and put them out there for for us to explore, you know, whether or not that's how our intuition in the machine are ever going to work. I don't know. We're just going to have to wait and see how it works out. But, you know, maybe there'll be a way to find this alignment in a different way in the future when we are or we become cyborgs. Like the, the whole process is going to be different. I mean, in a way, our bodies are already machines. You know, they're just programmed with our DNA. And, and, and so, you know, we can really think of everything in this whole reality as a kind of technology. It's all just like, biological technology instead of like material technology with like mechanisms and machines. Right. So, so what is our definition of a technology? And so we can have those really deep conversations. Um, but I can tell you as humans, this is, 
right now, I can just tell you as humans, this is what we need to do. You know, 10 years from now, maybe we need to be having different conversations and maybe the conversation will change, particularly if, you know, in the wake of like all of the artificial intelligence that's becoming more and more commonplace. Yeah, I think it's interesting because, you know, there is a school of thought that um, around 2008, 2009, uh, those that were, you know, a little open to this, this realm of thought that we're talking about started going through their, their metamorphosis. It was kind of a, a pre-2012. And so over the past year that we've had this podcast, we've spoken with people uh, both on and off the podcast where their lives have totally changed after 2012. So on mm-hmm. some level, I think some of the conversation that we're talking about is we may potentially see uh, things happening before, the again, like using a Hollywood example, before the general populace starts accepting and seeing some of those mm-hmm. things. So mm-hmm. it's more of, uh, you know, being the, I guess, for, uh, using a tech term, bleeding edge. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this, like I said earlier, this is thought leadership. This stuff is new. I mean, it's, it's old, but it's new too, right? Like it's, it's, it really is foundational to our human existence, but it's stuff that, that no one's talking about in a really meaningful, practical way. So, yeah, this is the bleeding edge, and this is one of the things that I, you know, have trouble with getting, you know, getting people to understand this um, until I get a chance to talk with them. Because I, you know, having this messaging, helping them understand intuition as this real bleeding edge concept that can change our lives and can change the world. Like, these aren't just words I'm using. These are like, this is really the power of what's happening now. And once we sit down and have a conversation like we're, we're doing right now, people are like, yeah, I get it. Oh, my gosh, that makes sense. Oh, my God, I didn't even know all this stuff was happening in this context. I didn't put all the dots together. So, yeah, it's really a it's really a convergence. There's an energy shift that's happening now. Even you know, 2012, everyone's like, "Oh, it's going to be the end of the world, it's the end of the Mayan calendar." Well, you know, maybe that didn't happen, but maybe we're going to look back on these years, you know, 10, 20, 50 years from now, and see that there was a level where things did change. You know, maybe not the way we expected it to change, but there's a change. I mean, our lives are so much different now than a hundred years ago. You know, I mean, it, it, people 100 years ago couldn't even imagine the world that we're living in. So it's, it's a broad scope that doesn't probably come down to one point in time at midnight on, you know, December 31st, 1999 or, or 2011, you know. Um, right. But it's, it's an era of change. Absolutely. And, and being that thought leader in, in, in an emerging city and emerging concepts that's happening at Pittsburgh, I'd like for you to talk a little bit about the CREATE Festival as well yeah. as your global school with Intuition Lab. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so these are, these are the two things that are, like, are really near and dear to my heart with this work. Um, in the CREATE Festival is my like, living testament of practical intuition because you know, when I started working about 10 years ago, um, you know, my book had come out. I was working with intuition. And I was also working uh, – I founded something called the Creative Industries Network in Pittsburgh, which is really um, – something that, you know, we, we formulated to bring together uh, the innovation space and entrepreneurs and really empower artists and creatives to be entrepreneurs and make money because, uh, you know, that whole intuitive power of being create, creative is, is also coming back as part of this whole thing because the old days, you know, when I was younger and I was a young artist, really artists, we were like second-class citizens. We were like, okay, they always just want handouts. They are a starving artist. They never make any money. Right. And so it was always like, you know, we we always felt like we were and if you're, you know, you're a designer, you probably felt this to a degree, too, that you were just really just there as a support system to, you know, like someone will tell you how to design something and you'll do it to make their brochures look pretty. 
Um, but it was really not an empowering place to be as a creative. But that has changed dramatically over the last 15 years. And now, you know, with the, with the advent of stuff like Apple and, and all kind of technology, and we realize how important design is. Like design is, 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 you can't have any of this without design. And suddenly now creatives are cool and creatives have, creatives and nerds together are like taking over the world, right? All these underdogs are really making this comeback, right? And that's really what the Create Festival is all about. Is we were bringing together all the nerds and the artists, and we were bringing out these cool products, and we had tons of, like, you know, Carnegie Mellon uh, was, uh, you know, funded it for years. And, um, and it was one of these things where, you know, I worked with the Pittsburgh Technology Council, and we brought together artists and people who were, you know, not people who would hang out with the tech crowd. And it was all this magic started happening, seeing these um, intuitive people coming together and uniting forces with this information group. So breaking down the barriers of, of what it means to be intuitive and what it means to be rational was a really powerful thing. And I had no idea what I was doing when I was building this thing. Like I totally used my intuition. Like every, everything I did, it was like my intuition was like, try this. And I was like, okay. And, and everyone thought I was nuts in the beginning. They're like, you're nuts. No tech people want to be hanging around with artists. But I ended up building this festival that was huge. We had a thousand people every year coming and I've been invited all around the world to speak and, and I've met some super cool people and I never imagined that I would get so much validation from people who were like way smarter than me and with some PhDs and all of this stuff that I was just like using my intuition to do. So, um, so really it was a, really a perfect example, this whole thing of how we can actually build success by following our intuition and, and business decisions and, and growth decisions using that kind of intuition to do that. And so that's why I started Intuition Lab, which is, you know, the masterclass that I'm teaching now is really to teach people how to use that intuition. And I'm living proof that it works. I've been there. I've been doing it for, for 10 years uh, on that level in addition to the personal spiritual level. So I wanted to found a school at Intuition Lab to teach people the practical side of intuition and how they can actually learn to recognize this intuition. It's not something weird, not something freaky, and something that we, I have exercises, we have workshops, we have group uh, interactions. So there's real results that come from this, you know, apart from this, this process of connecting with the divine and the higher self and becoming a better person in the process. It really it hits all aspects of your life. Absolutely. And so where could people find out more information about the Create Festival and Intuition Lab? Yeah, so if you go to my website, kimchesney.com, that'll kind of, there's a launch board to, uh, to everything. I also, my um, masterclass website is intuitionrevolution.com. That is a hyphen in it, intuition-revolution. And that's really, um, I'm getting ready to open enrollment for this masterclass next month. So it's going to be a six-week class where we go, do a deep dive. It's global. We have people all around the world signed up already. Um, it's going to be a nice group where we interact online. So um, it'll be, a, for me, I'm really excited because this whole talking about technology, having this opportunity now to bring together tribes and groups of people from all around the globe to share in this process of intuitive development is really, really expansive and opening to this concept so that we'll be able to share this on a global level where, you know, in, in the past, we've only been able to do this on really local and individual, you know, places as I travel around the country. So this is really exciting to me and um, I really encourage anybody who's interested in actually like taking hold of their practical intuition and, and, you know, getting in and, and digging in. That's a great place to do it. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, we are at the top of the hour. Uh, David, uh, do you have any additional questions? 
No, that's what exactly what I was going to ask was about the uh, create and the intuition lab, and you 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 asked that question. So, yeah, yeah, I think awesome. that you know with with uh, with as it grow, as it gains momentum, I think that we may have to do a a homie trip and come out. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a really good just looking at the site and everybody smiling and all, and <laughs> we should, we need. It sounds like something we want to be a part of. It yeah, I think it's right up your alley. I mean, you guys are creative people too. So I feel like the, this, this convergence of creativity and intuition, it's, it's really it'd be great for you guys. And you can come see Pittsburgh and see it's, it's not the city that people used to think it is. It's an awesome place, Ralph. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, you have just been attuned to another episode of Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective. This is Hamza. And I'm David. And Kim, it was a pleasure. Kim, I definitely want to reach back out to you over time. And and if if we don't see a creative festival, I'm sure there's going to be some points for paths connect. Absolutely, this was fantastic. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, thanks for being here. Thank you. All right, thanks, guys. Take care. Bye bye. Thanks again for checking out another episode of Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective podcast. Please check us out on our website at intrinsicmotivation.life where you can click on the speak pipe button and leave any suggestions for a future podcast that you'd like us to cover. Also check us out on our social media sites. We have a YouTube channel, Facebook page, iTunes podcast, in addition to Stitcher and Google Play, all under Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective. Check you out next time. Have a great day.